Church, I'm going to invite you, if you can, uh, remain standing just for a few moments. We're going to get into the Word, Book of Acts, chapter 5, and verse number 1. We've been in the series called Unstoppable. Unstoppable. And we're going through the Book of Acts. And the passage that we're about to read today, I'm going to admit to you that um, I've never preached from this passage before. And there's many times where I have preached from a passage for the first time here at City Life. But, but this is one of those that um, I think in, in my humanity, I've always kind of avoided or wasn't sure I understood clearly what God was doing in this passage. But I believe that God is giving me understanding. And it's a very important moment in the history of the early church that I believe we need to understand, unlock, and apply to our lives today. The Bible reads, and we have a few verses, so I just ask for your patience. Uh, it reads, but a certain man named Ananias, which Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not in your control? And after it was sold, was it not also in your control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose, wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Verse 7, now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much she said yes for so much then Peter said to her how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord look see the feet of those who have buried your husband are here at the door and will carry you out then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last and the young men came in and found her dead and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all those who heard these things. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your spirit that's in this place. And I ask God with fear and trembling today that you would give me the words and the wisdom to speak and that you would give us direction as a church and help us, God, to work through the things that we must, Lord, in order to be that unstoppable force, that unstoppable church that you've called us to be in this hour. We ask this right now in the name of Jesus. Can everyone say amen? Amen. You may be seated in God's house. I'm going to speak for a few moments on the cost of giving less than our best. The cost of giving less than our best. In the digital age of photo editing and social media filters, distinguishing between what is real and what is fake has become increasingly difficult. 
With these tools, we can easily blur the lines between real authenticity and carefully crafted illusions, impacting how we perceive others or ourselves in the virtual world that we interact with day after day. A few taps on your smartphone screen can transform your appearance, smooth out those blemishes, alter your surroundings, blur out the background, <laughs> and create a flawless version of yourself for the world to see. And as technology advances and the boundaries of reality are pushed, the gap between the authentic and the artificial is only going to widen. And just as technology can today distort reality in our modern age, what we see today in our passage with Ananias and Sapphira, this couple, in Acts chapter 5, showcased a similar distortion within their own community. Image was everything for this couple. They wanted a perception of faith. They wanted a form of godliness. They wanted the esteem of their peers, the recognition of the church leaders. They wanted to be admired. They wanted to be liked. They wanted views on YouTube, likes on Facebook. They wanted attention. They wanted to make an impression without actually making a sacrifice. And I want us to take a step back today and see where the problem began. What we're dealing with in this passage is of a sensitive nature, clearly because of the judgment that was levied in the way in which God decided to make an example out of these two. And even though it is a negative example, it is one that we ought all to pay attention and see what lessons we can learn. You see, in Acts chapter 4 and 5, those two chapters offer us a glimpse into the move of the Spirit and the extraordinary level of unity and commitment that typified the early church in its formative stages. We see extreme acts of faith and devotion for the cause of Christ and for the advancement of the church. There was no middle ground at this point. There was no, uh, no room, really, for neutrality because the mission of Christ was so pressing. God was moving upon the hearts of his people to go above and beyond the call of duty, to do their part for the kingdom. In addition to fervent prayer and bold proclamation, a spirit of generosity spread across the church as members began to sell their possessions and laid the proceeds of that at the feet of the apostles. This was not done in a sensational manner. 
This was not done in a glamorous fashion. This was done with much reverence, with much fear, as God moved upon these individuals to take these steps of faith. And it was during that time that a man named Barnabas caught everyone's attention when he, by the Spirit's leading, sold his land and donated all the proceeds to the church. Among the bystanders that day, watching this event unfold, were Ananias and Sapphira, a self-styled power couple in Jerusalem who saw an opportunity to raise their spiritual status by selling a parcel of their own. Their actions compared to Barnabas may appear similar on the outside because both of them gave what seemed to be an extravagant amount towards the work of God. But behind the scenes, they could not be more different. The gap between perception and reality could not be wider. And the deadly case of Ananias and Sapphira proves several vital lessons, church, that we need in order to stay in the path of healthy, biblical, and blessed growth. In this early stage of the church, this event takes place. And what it does, instead of regressing the church, it propels it forward. And they learn a very costly, very valuable lesson about the ways in which God works. And the remedy and the process and the ingredients that are needed in the church in order to attract the best that God has for his people. How many of you want the best that God has for you in this church? Can somebody give God some praise today? Amen. Someone say the best. And I believe that the best is yet to come. And I believe that God wants to do these things. The first things that we need to notice about this story is that God doesn't overlook our motives. The Bible says there that they sold the possession and they kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also being aware of it. So they were, they were in on it together. I don't know where it was, but at some point, maybe over dinner one night as they were scheming, strategizing, how can we get in on the action, they thought to themselves. And they devised this plan that, hey, why don't we do this and that? Maybe they went over the numbers. Honey, get the checkbook out. Break out the spreadsheets. Let's get the latest statements from the bank. Let's see where we're at. Let's get an a overall picture of our financial situation. And let's see what we can do here. Because we want to do something. But there are a couple things, church, that we need to understand. All of us, every Christian, every student of the world... First, you need to understand that God never once in this passage required the selling of property or this parcel. God never told them. The apostles never said, across the board, everyone needs to do this. Secondly, once it was sold, God never commanded that those proceeds be given 
to the church or that all of the proceeds be given to the church. You see, what was being done by the church members was strictly voluntary. These were personal leaps of faith based off the promptings of the Holy Ghost as individuals felt compelled, felt moved in their heart. It was a spiritual thing that God was doing among His people, among certain individuals. This was not a command across the board. Everybody, so let's not misinterpret what is happening here. We're not saying what, that, what God wants is for everyone to sell everything and give it all. That's not what God is, is telling him, and that's not what's happening here. That's not what's going on. But you see, in the case of Barnabas, his extreme act of generosity, it turned heads. It drew attention. And when he sold everything he had and he laid it at the apostles' feet, people took notice of that. They said, wow, this guy's got faith. This guy is, you know, he, man, what a gift. And, and surely people must have, you know, uh, I mean, they, they held him in high esteem. Man, what, 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 a, what an awesome thing that we have just witnessed. And Ananias and Sapphira were standing back and they were watching everyone, you know, congratulate them. And, and the apostles, whoa, man, they're raising, everyone's raising their eyebrows. Look at this extravagant gift. That the, now, Barnabas wasn't doing it for that reason. He wasn't laying down this gift for any attention or, 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 or you know, to boost his, uh, his, his status among the people. This was a genuine gift. But Ananias and Sapphira, they saw an opportunity to say, we got to get in on this action. But they didn't do it because they were zealous for the things of God or because they were truly interested in giving God their best. Instead, they wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted a platform. Come on, can I, can I talk like I really want to today? They wanted a platform. They craved attention. They wanted to bolster their public image in the eyes of the people, in the eyes of their peers, in the eyes of the church leader. They wanted uh, pats on the back, so to speak. They wanted that, and they were blinded by their amb They were ambitious people. They were strategizing. How, how, how can we get in closer? How can we get invited to the inner circle? How can we make our way there? You know, whose shoulder do we have to rub to get that kind of treatment? What do we got to do? And so they were strategizing there. Well, what can we do? They were motivated by their own interests. They were motivated by what was going to bring them uh, uh, attention and, and bring them uh, uh, notoriety and bring them esteem and bring them, uh, you know, uh, whatever kind of uh, selfish need they had. They they were motivated by that. And so the first thing that I believe the Holy Ghost wants to ask you today, what is your motivation? Why do you do what you do? And I don't just mean here in the church. I mean wherever God has placed you. What is your motivation? God's name or your name? His glory or your glory? His kingdom or whatever little empire that you're trying to build for yourself. Everything God has given you has given you so that you might return it for his glory and do something with it that would ultimately make his name glorious in the earth. Somebody say amen today.
Can I tell somebody today that God is not just looking for a gift. He's not just looking at the gift, but he's looking at the motive in which you give the gift. He's looking at the heart. He's looking at the intention. He's looking at the purpose. Why do you do what you do? Do you only do it for the, for the praise and the applause of man? Or, or, or is there another reason? Is there a higher purpose? It's not what you do, my friend, but it's how you do it. Hallelujah. Paul writes these words in Colossians 3.17 And whatever you do in word or deed, with your spoken, with your, with your words and with your actions, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Give Giving thanks unto God, the Father, through him. Adonias failed to realize this. That it's not about the size of the gift. It's not the size of the gift that matters, but the size of the grace behind it. Somebody say amen. God's not evaluating us based on the size of our gift. You know how God evaluates us? The size of our obedience. And whether God tells you to give a lot or a little, it's obedience that God is looking for. So whether God says to sell everything and give it to the poor, sell everything and give it to the church, or, or give it to this person, or whether God says just give this, this is what, I, it's obedience, it's, it's obeying the voice of God in our life. So it's not the size of our gift that matters, it's, it's the size of our grace, or, or the grace that God has got. because God will never, hear me today, God will never ask of you something and not give you the grace to give it. I need to speak this plainly today. God will never ask of you something he hasn't given you the grace to fulfill. He'll never call you or command you to do something without giving you the grace or the ability to perform it and complete it. But if he calls you to do something, and if he asks you to do something, then he will indeed give you everything you need internally to make it happen for his glory. Come on, somebody give God some praise right now. Hallelujah. So motives matter. Someone say motives matter. Whew, I got to hurry. Number two is that there is no substitute for integrity. Ananias, when he presented his gift to the apostles, Peter received a word of knowledge and he asked, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep Back part of the price of the land for yourself. Let me explain something here, church. Their sin was not that they refused to give or that they didn't give the entire amount. That wasn't their sin. The sin was not that they didn't give everything or they didn't give the entire amount or they refused to give. That wasn't their, their sin was that they lied to the Holy Ghost. The sin was that they gave a false outward impression to the church in hopes that what was really going on, the inward reality, would not be detected. And that, my friend, is what you call hypocrisy. Hmm. With what you present on the outside doesn't match who you are really on the inside. Come on now, somebody. Hallelujah. Hypocrisy takes on many forms. But the kind we're looking at here today in this passage is tricky. 
and it's subtle. And I'll tell you why. It sneaks into the church with people who claim to be one thing but are living another thing. Oh, help me today, Holy Ghost Jesus, help me today. Oh, I want you right now to extend your hands to me right now and just say, God, uh, speak through your man right now. Speak through your vessel, Lord. Tell us what we need to hear. Come on and pray that right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. It can sneak into the church when somebody presents one thing here. You're playing the part in church on Sunday and living like the world for the rest of the week. And God said, if you're going to have genuine apostolic revival if you're going to see the hand of God really move in your life then you need to get your life in order and make sure that who you are in this house is who you are in your house come on you got to make sure that your life matches up with your confession because some people are living a lie hypocrisy is the opposite of integrity Integrity is a wholeness of character that is consistent with words and actions. Can I tell you today something, church? Uh, someone say, go ahead. Can I tell you something today? For a little while, you know, you can fool the church. For a little while, you know, you can fool your friends. You can fool I mean, if you work at it, you can fool them. Huh? You can fool your coworkers. Can I tell you? You could even fool the pastors. But you cannot fool the Holy Ghost. Oh, Jesus. I said you cannot fool the Holy Ghost. Because God is light. And the light reveals. And when God reveals, it's not, oh, Jesus. It's not to shame you. But it's to correct and to redeem you. Oh, God. Why did God treat them so harshly? I'll be just a few more moments. Why did God deal with Ananias and Sapphira so harshly? He judged them. I'll tell you why. First, because it shows us that God treats sin seriously. Let us never think that just because we're living in the time of grace, brother... Just because we're living in the new covenant, just because we're in the new testament, we're living on this side of the cross, that we ever think that God is still not holy, and God is still not a judge, and God is not still on his throne, and God is still not coming back for a church that is without spot and without blood. Let us not think for one moment that God still does not treat sin seriously. He treats it seriously. And so I think God wants us to understand. And this is why fear came over the church uh, after these people fell over dead. They said, oh, my goodness. Uh, because maybe some of them were thinking, hey, this ain't the Old Testament anymore. You know, we're living in the time of grace. And yes, we are. God is gracious. But God wanted to remind his church, hey, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. God wanted to remind the church, I do not change. I am God. My Come on now, somebody. My character is is the same my name is the same my nature is the same my attributes are the same how many of you know that we serve the same God today how many of you know that God doesn't change for nobody Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever it shows us that God doesn't sweep sin under the rug but he reveals it why because he wants a pure and an honest church 
Because that's the only kind of church that's going to experience the best that God has of growth, of revival, of blessing. Somebody say amen. amen. I believe this passage is here for us today, church, because it shows us that hypocrisy kills revival. It grieves the Holy Ghost. And if we're going to be an unstoppable church, a church like the book of Acts, then what we need today is a good, old-fashioned purging of the Holy Ghost. Piano player, I invite you up. We need a good, old-fashioned purging of his spirit. Hmm, my God. He said, but I thought we were in the new school, but we serve an old school God. Whew, Jesus. And he wants to purify, to move in his church in a mighty way. And God is speaking to us today, church, and saying, I need you to get ready. I need you to sanctify yourself. Because thirdly, this is what we need to see, that your best attracts God's best. Ananias and Sapphira wanted something from God that they weren't willing to give themselves. They wanted God's best, but they weren't willing to give him their best. And the same mentality is prevalent in the church today. People want 100% of God with only giving them 50% of themselves. They demand a full-time God while only being a part-time Christian. They want all of God, but they won't give Him all of them. And the Holy Ghost sent me here today to stir the church to awaken the church, to preach to this congregation and tell you that there is a cost to forgiving less than our best. And the cost is greater revival. God's not looking for perfection today. That's not, notice I didn't say the word perfect. He's looking for our best. And my best will look different from your best, sister and brother. Your best is going to look a little different than my best. Each of our best is going to look a little different depending on our situation and what God requires of us. But all that God asks for today is that you hold nothing back. That you give Him everything that He is asking of you. Would you lift your hands in this place right now? I feel the Holy Ghost. Would you just honor the Lord?
start lifting up holy hands and worshiping him oh i feel the spirit of god in this place right now i feel the presence of the lord here god is saint of his church i want the best every time you step your foot into these doors i want you to give me your best praise oh yes i want your best worship But too many have gotten comfortable with giving God whatever's left over. Whatever's left over. Left over of my time. Left over of my resources. Left over and God is saying, no. Give me your best. He said, yeah, but what if my best is not good enough? Well, try anyways. Or what if I give my best and I fail? Well, you know what? A righteous man will fall seven times and get up again. Just if, 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 as long as you're giving it your best. Give it, but what if my best falls short? Well, we all fall short of his glorious standard. But that shouldn't stop you from giving it your best. What if I don't do it right? Do it anyways. Because God is looking for a real sacrifice. Would you stand with me here today? God is looking for somebody today that will pour it all out. Somebody today that will say, I'm not holding back. I'm not holding back. I'm going to give him everything. I'm going to give him all of my heart. I'm going to give him everything that God is asking. If there's somebody here today day that says God I want to answer that call God I want to give you it all God I want I don't want to hold back God I want to give you my best praise I want to give you the best part of my life I want to give you my best effort you know why because that's what he's worthy of